in business, you have to keep in mind, it's all about what the customer wants. It's not that I can build something faster, cheaper, quicker, and you roll it out every 20 days. Nobody's gonna adopt or try you at that pace. The ability for us to make sure that we have our finger on the pulse of the customer and we are providing capabilities that are exceeding the expectation at a timeline that they are willing to adopt is very important. We never take success for granted. We are always looking out on a left shoulder, right shoulder to figure out where the next opportunity is, but also where the disruption can come from. And my job is to plan ahead of that. At the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, that you go down and say, that was a good day because I lived up to my values. I lived up to what I aspired to be. This is Ciarna TV. My name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Nick Puri, who is the Senior Vice President, uh, International IT of FedEx Express. A very warm welcome, Nick. Hello, Hendrik. Great to be here with you. Always a pleasure and a privilege to talk to you. Nick, you have an engineering degree of the National Institute of Technology of Trucci, and you have an MBA of the Thunderbird uh, Business School in Arizona. You started your career 26 years ago uh, at Wipro in India, and then you moved to Oregon and the US, and you joined FedEx in 1999. Um, 16 years later, 2015, you relocated to uh, Brussels, Europe, to become the European uh, CIO, and today you are the senior VP uh, IT for Europe, Middle East and Africa, and Asia out of the office in the Netherlands. So Nick, you are truly a global citizen. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, a bit of your background, and how did you really arrive in this position as CIO? Thank you, Hendrik. Uh, you're right. I have been with FedEx for quite a bit of time. But for FedEx, I'm one of the youngest senior VPs at FedEx. <laughs> FedEx is known for its very people culture, and many mm -hmm. of my peers have been at FedEx longer than me. So I'm still learning. About my journey, I have been in multiple functions within FedEx. I have worked in planning and engineering so that I understand how the business operates. I have worked in information security so I protect the business. And now I have all of the above responsibility. Everything in IT reports to me and I have the privilege and the honor of representing the work of close to 2,000 people who work in this organization. So I have worn multiple hats, I have done multiple things. and. It is part of FedEx culture to round off our senior management. That's something I'm very proud of. Okay, now FedEx is a, it's a household name. We all know the name, the logo, and so on. But in, in, in a couple of sentences, what is it that FedEx really does? What are the different businesses? And, and, and what is it that FedEx is really strong at? Uh, FedEx has been around for close to 50 years. It was founded actually in 1971. So this is 50 years since foundation of FedEx. And uh, we have close to 500,000 employees who work for us worldwide. So huge, huge uh, team, a set of team members. Uh, we operate in close to 200 or plus more countries. And uh, we, offer, we fly uh, close to 650 planes worldwide. So yes, a huge enterprise, something that is today's time very instrumental in not just moving PPEs, 
but also vaccines. And as many of us who work from home now uh, for mm -hmm. delivering goods and your equipment to your uh, doorstep. So we believe in our purpose of FedEx that we are not just delivering packages in today's world, but our purpose now is to move forward to deliver hope for many of our citizens around the world. Wow, so 500,000 people, 200 countries, 650 planes, that's, a, that's an amazing organization. But you have in, in, in the international IT, have gone uh, through quite some uh, transformation the last couple of years. And this transformation was also triggered by the acquisition of TNT, which is, and this was one of the largest acquisitions ever in your industry. Can, can you talk a little bit about the journey that you have gone through and about this acquisition that happened? Absolutely. I have shared this in a couple of other forums that we have had a three-step journey. Very early on when this took the role, our first focus was to start stabilizing the environment. There are two separate entities that are working here, and we wanted to make sure that we stabilize the environment of both the companies. Very mm -hmm. quickly on, in my very early stages of my uh, tenure here, we moved to the modernization part of our strategy. FedEx has had a digital transformation strategy worldwide for the last five to six years, even before the word digital transformation was in vogue. We have been yep. doing API first, data first, making sure that we leverage and have an intelligent decision making of where do we put our, our uh, applications in the cloud, uh, adoption of SaaS-based systems worldwide. All of those things were already going on. But coming into TNT and as part of the integration of the two companies so that we can unleash the value to our shareholders, we were faced with a rather unique challenge. And the challenge mm -hmm. required us to really transform and modernize the estate worldwide. The challenge is that we have to be future ready. We had to get ready for a situation that none of us anticipated, which we are all in now. And let me share with you a couple of things we did. When we came, and I came here, since then, we have been able to, as part of the modernization phase or part of our journey, uh, able to increase the virtualization of our applications from 35% to 80%. We wow. have been able to retire multiple data centers as part of it. Mm -hmm. We had to reconstruct our entire uh, information security posture and make sure that our 40, 50,000 endpoints that we have are completely secure. All of that went on while we are integrating the company. As part of the integration, we have been able to bring 750 stations worldwide into one set of IT systems. 100% hundred, uh, of our systems, uh, our, our stations are gonna be fully integrated with same software over the last two and a half years. That is a huge mm -hmm. accomplishment, not just for me, but also for my business partners. Couple of other things. Uh, as part of our work, because we had to align an acquired company, TNT, with FedEx brand, we invested a lot in reliability. Our reliability numbers are now at 99.99%, something that we are very proud of, because that's what our customers and their customers expect from a brand like FedEx. So that was the second phase of our journey. The third phase of the journey, which we are on, and we'll get into more in the later part of the conversation, is called the leapfrog phase. This is where we are shifting from modernizing, securing the infrastructure to unleashing the value. And that is the phase we are in right now, Henrik. 
Okay, so you simplified a lot then. I mean, you reduced yeah. complexity and, 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 and you, re I mean, you retired uh, a, a lot of applications. And uh, why is that so important for you? So the enemy of speed is complexity. There is a phrase by Dr. Claus, who is the founder of World Economic Forum. He said in today's world, and he was talking about uh, Industry uh, Revolution 4.0, which is digital revolution that we are all going through, and we're just at the beginning of it. That's the context you have to keep in mind. We are just at the beginning of this new revolution going on. And he said that in today's world, and in this world, it's not the big fish that survives, it's the fast fish. Mm -hmm. To win, you have to be fast. How, are you, how does FedEx become resilient? How does FedEx become first to market? How does FedEx unleash value in the market? That has to be because we have to be nimble. We have to take complexity out of IT systems. We have to adopt SAFE, which is Scale Agile Framework. We have to adopt digital first. We have to adopt data first way of thinking. So by bringing new technologies, which I talked about, new processes, SAFE I talked about, and new mindset, we are able to unleash this uh, ability to move fast. And that is what we are now calling as leapfrog phase, so that we can start yep. uh, going faster and be first to market in many of our aspects of our business. But that must be quite a challenge. I mean, in a 500,000 people business, such a huge organization making big changes in there, it's, some people would say it's impossible. So, so how are you able to make big changes and, and really leapfrog and, and, and create competitive advantage in your industry? So from a FedEx management point of view, all of us are required to go through very basic management training when we first become manager. Uh, one of my training was actually derived from a book that our founder chairman, Mr. Fred Smith, who is an icon in the transportation industry, he started the express industry period, uh, had written. And the key element of that book is that for us to drive change, it is about people. It is about our culture. We focused our change management effort so that our team members understand our strategy, they understand their role in the strategy, they understand why that strategy is important from their job, but also for the market point of view. We were able to harness the culture that we have uh, and we call, uh, we call two elements of culture which are very important here uh, called uh, learning and caring. In our mm -hmm. culture, we are very focused on these two pillars of our culture and we harness our energy and we put a lot of effort on this. Let me explain to you. To, to completely transform the footprint on a worldwide scale, there is going to be a lot of changes, which means a lot of our employees had to learn new things, new technologies, new processes, new partnerships had to be built. That required us to focus on learning. How do we bring these capabilities to them so that they are able to understand, they are able to learn new things and they are able to apply it? But that only goes so far. We have learned that you have to couple it with caring because mm -hmm. with change comes anxiety. With change comes a sort of sense that, what does it mean to me? Do I have a place in the future? And we had to address that. So second part yeah. of, our, of our culture is caring. And by, as a leader, all of our 
officers, our vice presidents and directors, they are required to be in front of their team members. They were accessible to their team members. They, I confided in my team members saying that, that I am going through the change as well. In fact, all the change training that we do, whether it comes for business agility or for safe training, I go through it first before my team members. The point there being, I am on the same journey that you're on. I am committing my time to learn. I am showing to you that I care, that I'm going through. This is not something we build that you will adopt, but I will adopt as well. All of our leaders did that, and by having caring and learning go together, we were able to harness our culture, we were able to harness the power of 2,000 employees that, whose work I represent, more than 2,000 contractors who work on our account, and channel them towards the future. A future where things are better, a future where we are able to um, uh, exceed the expectation of our internal and external partners, a future mm -hmm. where we are able to align the delivery we are able to uh, uh, align the expectation of a market that is associated with our brand. Yeah, so you would say that it's almost because of the special DNA of, of the FedEx culture that, that you're able as a big organization to go through these changes that are necessary to, come, to, to, to compete and to, to not be disrupted by, by new players that in, in the market and so on? Uh, absolutely, our culture is our secret sauce, Henrik. There is no mm -hmm. doubt about that. We are a people-centric company. Uh, IT is still about people. I don't want anybody to be su surprised about that. This is not just about technology. It's not just about, uh, uh, about a process. It's still about people. Yes, uh, you asked about uh, uh, disruption and all that. One of the things I remind my peer group and as an uh, uh, international CIO, I tell people that don't be too focused on just what your plans are. You always have to keep an eye on the small players that are coming up, that are startups that are coming up that can disrupt you. It's one mm -hmm. of those things that I spend a lot of time on reading about, keeping an eye on, keeping interest in as to what's happening. And yes, the startups are small. They only disrupt a small portion of your process. But 10 of these startups, when combined, 10 of these startups, when coming at you at the same time can disrupt a big portion of your business. So your point about how does our culture protect us against that is very important because we never take success for granted. We are always looking out on a left shoulder, right shoulder to figure out where the next opportunity is, but also where the disruption can come from. And my job is to plan ahead of that. Let's talk a bit about the, the last 12 months. They have been very special. I mean, the world has been hit by, uh, by, by COVID and that has changed a lot, I think. And I can imagine also in, in, in your business, the impact must have been huge and, and, and it was an opportunity at the same time, I can imagine. So tell us what was the impact of, of COVID on, uh, on, on FedEx? So uh, because of the scope of the work we do. You know, we deliver to 200 plus countries, either FedEx or through our partners. Uh, we have visibility into the supply chain uh, of 99% of global GDP. Uh, we could see what was happening in China. 
I have team members there who reacted very, very quickly. Uh, they put on PPEs and delivered computers to homes of our team members uh, mm -hmm. so that we can take customer service team members can take calls from their home. We re rerouted all the telephony traffic to uh, homes of our team members. We then started picking up trends in Italy, here in Europe, and we knew these trends uh, where these things are going on. So very early on in the very first few phases uh, of uh, pandemic, we started investing in VPN capacity. Uh, little did we know that we had to again double it. So we doubled it, we had to again double it, and we had to double it a third time during the pandemic. Now we have close to 100,000 of our team members and contractors who connect with us daily uh, through VPN. It's a huge, huge undertaking to completely reverse what used to be on-premise to uh, working remotely. That was very early st stage of our uh, pandemic. The next thing we did, because we realized this is not going away, is we got together as a management team. We spent six days, parts of days, uh, with our global leadership, everybody who reports to me, in figuring out what is it that we will be doing in the next 12 to 18 months? Because the world around us changed. Mm -hmm. And what we realized that our strategy to be API first, digital first, data first, cloud uh, agnostic, cloud native, all of these are still the right strategy. The trends don't change. What was changing is sequencing of it. Uh, as mm -hmm. people went and moved uh, home from offices, uh, as part of work from home, led to the explosion of e-commerce. Uh, little known fact, I'm about to get uh, later today uh, a lot of Indian food delivered to my homestyle. Uh, I am looking forward to it. But the fact is, everybody is doing that. Uh, yeah. You, many of our people who are listening, are uh, looking forward to things being delivered to the doorstep. To the doorstep. Uh, yeah. We have said this publicly that the e-commerce trends have accelerated by about three years. The way I see this is that while our strategy is intact, the future arrived early. That's the way yep. I think about it. What we were thinking was going to happen three years from now happened much quicker. So we had to resequence our work. And that mm -hmm. was the big bet we made way early in June, July timeframe. In those six days, we sat back and said, there are steps that we will, there are projects that we will accelerate. There are projects we will not do because they don't make sense anymore. There are projects that we will start doing that we were not planning to. Let me give you an example. When Europe went into lockdown for the first time in many years, borders started closing. There were new regulations that came out. And we had to change our labels. We had to create what is now called as contactless delivery. You don't want to sign, you don't want to touch paperwork from a courier. Our team members all have also got the same concern. We don't want to have physical contact even because it's about safety of our employees and our customers. We launched in less than 10 days because where we were in our modernization journey, the ability to have contactless delivery. And that is the sort of thing we started working on. And based on the new roadmap we developed, based on the new way of thinking that we developed, it has allowed us to continue to deliver value during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Because you almost had like to reinvent the business model a little bit. I mean, it's, I can imagine that e-commerce uh, did explode. 
saw your B2C part of the business exploded because traditionally FedEx is, is, has more emphasis on B2B, if I'm not mistaken. So now all of a sudden B2C exploded. Right. Absolutely. Uh, some of the key things that I do want people to know is that it's not just about B2C uh, of our models changing towards B2C. We have to enable our customers whose models are also changing. So our job as CIOs is to enable FedEx, uh, enable our companies to evolve, become more digital, change our models. But don't forget, we have to enable our customers whose models always are also changing. Let me give you an example. We used to work with this company that used to ship from their factories to a major retail outlet. Uh, they used to ship bicycles. They used to be unassembled. They used to be in big boxes, and this large retailer would assemble them, put a premium on them, and sell them in their, in their store. Well, that business is gone. Nobody's going to store anymore. So this company is now shipping completely assembled bicycles with videos and how to optimize your experience on bicycle. We had to make sure as they went online, they went from B2B to complete B2C. We gave them APIs to create their website, to ship on their website. We gave them tracking so that the consumer who's expecting a bicycle, and by the way, the number one thing at one time in June, July timeframe was everybody went out to bike. Uh, and it was one of those things that we had to enable our customers to transform their business, and that happened in a very short period of time. So uh, that is the mindset we bring, that it's not just about transforming our business, but helping transform business of our partners and helping transform communities. So does that also mean that FedEx uh, is becoming much more a platform company and an ecosystem and, and has much stronger partnerships with, with its clients nowadays? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, we have always been a platform company, an open platform company. When I talk about API first, web services, we want mm -hmm. to give e-tailers around the world, we want to provide our all our customers around the world the ability to tap into a modern infrastructure. And that has always been an IT strategy. What is now happening is uh, we have recently announced a partnership with Microsoft. We call it Project Surround. Uh, it is all about data. It is to mm -hmm. take data that we have and be able to be proactive. It's about leveraging DSML, which is data sciences and machine learning, to be able to provide new value to our customers. When you are sitting at home and you want to know where your package is, can you reroute it because uh, you, you want to go to bus uh, office that day? Can you reroute it because you have something else going on in your house? All that can be automated to a very large degree. And that only happens because we are becoming very much a data-driven organization. And that is one of those things where partnership is coming in. We have been very public about this partnership with Microsoft. And I think uh, that is really, really, that's going to set us apart. So big acquisition, big transformation because of that. And then three years of, cha of change uh, compressed into, in, in, into one pandemic period. So a lot of change has, uh, has been going on and will continue to go on in, uh, in FedEx and also in your IT um, departments. Can you enlighten us a little bit, uh, Nick? How is IT and digital organized? I understand you have a, f uh, a federated model. What is the IT operating model? How, how do you, um, what kind of teams do you have? Where are they and so on? Uh, tell us a bit the background there. Absolutely. Let me first 
start with uh, the top-down org structure. FedEx is yeah. rather unique in two aspects. Uh, FedEx has had our CIO report to our chairman and mm -hmm. our CIO and CEO both report to the chairman. So we wow. have an equal seat for CIOs at FedEx. I'll tell you why. Our founder chairman made a statement in 1970s that said the information of the package, the information about the package is as important as the package itself. In 1970s, when computers were a little clunky, they did not have the power that we have in our cell phone even, uh, he understood the value that comes from information. And that's why IT has always been viewed as an integral part of the success of the company. So our CIO and CEOs, they both report uh, to the same level. The second thing, uh, at the board level for the past 10 years, we have had an IT oversight committee. We have been focused on ensuring that IT continues to be risk managed, but also is part of the board dialogue, information security, IT projects for transformation. These are all part of board dialogue for the last 10 plus years. And it mm -hmm. is how we are structured. So I uh, wanted to start from the top. At my level, I report uh, uh, to our global CIO. Uh, and uh, at our level, what is required is I have a uh, vice president in charge of our infrastructure uh, who manages my uh, on-prem as in Colo. We don't have any data centers. Uh, Colo as well as my cloud offering. ITSM mm -hmm. is the IT service management, is the discipline around that. TOGAF is the discipline around it. We have a very good uh, application reference architecture that the inf infrastructure team publishes that everybody has to follow so that we can standardize our infrastructure. Uh, very, very successful individual over there. I also have our international CISO reporting to us. Uh, he has mm -hmm. responsibilities all around the world outside of US to protect the enterprise. And he is also based out of uh, Hoofdorf here in uh, Netherlands. Uh, I have two individuals for application development. One mm -hmm. on customer facing, others for operations. I have one individual who deploys this around Europe. Uh, we have some very talented individuals who support our hubs. Uh, we have a very, very uh, big hub in Liège. Uh, we have a hub in France. We have close to, uh, as I mentioned, 700 stations worldwide that we have to support. Uh, so I have an individual who does that. And then I have an uh, individual who manages my uh, APAC region, uh, also regional CIO who all report to me. Close to 2,000 people whose work I represent, and then uh, close to two, more than 2,000 contractors who work on our account to make this all happen. So uh, a very high-powered team. And you told me that your model is a federated model. model. What, what does that mean in, in, in your context? Uh, so um, most of the IT CIOs, uh, they either think about centralization or decentralization. We have decided to go in the middle. We are hybrid or we are federated. What that means is that decision rights of who makes those decisions sometimes sit with more than one people. What that means is there's a push-pull mechanism. I am fully aligned and vested with my peer group around the world. There are nine yep. senior officers at FedEx in IT. All of us are aligned through one thing, that's architecture. And that's where we are centralized. But our execution, our funding, 
our ability to get things done on the edge, that is decentralized. This unique thing where you are connected through architecture, you are connected through the network, because we are a network company, is rather unique to FedEx. And all of us have input into architecture so that our needs around the world are represented in that architecture. We have this concept called core and the edge, where mm -hmm. everything that is to be maintained by for the goodness of the enterprise, the core of the enterprise, all of us protect, all of us contribute to, all of us are fully aware of what's going on, but all of us have the liberty to modify the edge so that we yep. can react to changing marketplace very, very quickly. That balance between things that should not change should, should be fully thought about before you change and things that should move very quickly. That balance comes in through a federated way of thinking. And we mm -hmm. have all grown into that model over the past few years. So Nick, you told me that data is also in the DNA is in, is in the lifeblood of, of FedEx and that your chairman already in the 70s said that the information of the package is at least as important as the package itself. Let's talk about data and, and how, how, do you, um, how do you organize that? I understand that you even have created a separate company around data within FedEx. Explain me that a little bit. Absolutely. So let me start by saying that our data strategy is called data-driven decision-making. It doesn't talk about decision-making where, and that is my purpose. It is data-driven decision-making in every aspect of our business. So let me give you a couple of examples. All our sorters have now got the capabilities to sort on many different attributes. It's not just the address that you wanted to, because you can call us while the package is in motion and say, I've changed my mind. Instead of delivering this in my office, deliver it to my home or deliver it to the nearest retail location uh, that you may choose. We can sort the packages based on different parameters that are associated with the package. And that is because our data is now viewed not as an exhaust of a business process, but a fuel into decision making. Another example, as part of our clearance, when customers ship uh, with us from one country to the other, we have always found that there were errors. There is this unique requirement called harmonized code. The custom mm -hmm. clearance wants to know what is in the package so that they can bill you, they can yeah. uh, charge a, a tariff on it. Uh, and a lot of times people would not know what this harmonized code is because we don't think that as normal citizen these technical things. We have now machine learning, artificial intelligence, machine learning based capabilities that matches the code and says, ah, you have an error, you have a mistake, you mistyped mm -hmm. the name over here. Instead of cotton, you missed, you wrote it as CTN instead of full cotton. Instead of yep. shirt, you wrote something else. Uh, and we can fix that so that you can get your package on time. You don't have to pay duties and taxes. All these things come in because we are investing in data. And that is just the start of the journey. Our vision, as we have already announced as part of DataWorks, the company you talked about, is to take the data and do something very different, is to provide visibility of your supply chain. As the package is moving, you can tap into the data and say, not just tell me where the package is, when will it get delivered, but use the data to get very predictive so that mm -hmm. you can start planning around how do you want to restock? 
you can start managing your inventory more in intelligently. This is not about just making FedEx better. That's not the uh, objective here. This is about making the supply chain of our customers better. This is about making our customers more successful. Only when we mm -hmm. think that we, we are convinced, only when they are successful, will they reach out and say, hey, I want to do more business with FedEx. So it's a very different concept of saying, how do we use data, not just for what I call digital optimization, making us better, but creating digital transformation, making our customers better, creating a revenue stream where none existed, making capabilities where none existed. And that is where we are really doubling down on use of data. So I can talk about this for a long time because <laughs> this is the future, Henrik. Uh, companies no, are either digital, either they are hard, either they view data as an exhaust, which they will, they, they, they throw it away, or they view data as a fuel that fuels their revenue growth, their transformation. So data-driven decision-making, so that means artificial intelligence, machine learning, RPA, RDA. What are, what are the platforms that you use for that? Uh, so we have a spectrum. Uh, you covered a lot of it, but it starts with RDA, mm -hmm. then RPA, then AIML, and then DSML. Mm -hmm. uh, there are new technologies coming out. There is artificial intelligence 2.0, very early uh, emerging phases of it. But that is the spectrum that we are looking at. Now, so I talked about four technologies, one to four, there's a fifth one, data in autonomous vehicles. So that is an area from logistics point of view that we are very, very interested in, and we have made a lot of public releases about it, which is around drones, about autonomous trucks. It's also around IoT. Uh, so it is where physical meets digital, sensor-based logistics. Uh, so five of these are in my spectrum. Uh, and when we talk to our team members, we start with RDA, RPA, AIML, DSML, and then we have physical meets digital, which is in operational technologies and drones and in, 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 in the area that is just emerging. So five of them have to come together, but the layer below that is all data. None of this happens without data. So when can I expect my packages to deliver it with your drones then, uh, Nick? Uh, not on the drones. We have, a, uh, we have Roxo, which is our autonomous delivery uh, agent. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, actually, uh, if you were to Google that, ROXO, uh, it is actually functional in the U.S. Uh, it is in production. It is working. And uh, this is where the technology is evolving. Keep in mind for drones, we have to work with a lot of regulations. Uh, we I have to imagine. work with FAA uh, authorities around the world. Yeah. So it does take a lot more time around this, but the technologies are getting very mature. It is not in the too far away where uh, these things are going to be very real for us. In fact, uh, Roxo is in production. Like I said, uh, it is already uh, working. So, I mean, you're still much younger than I am. I'm in my late 50s, so I still will see the time when packages will be delivered by uh, self-driving trucks and by, and by drones. You, um, you, you can picture that future for me, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, you know, I use the phrase, I can see through the fog. Uh, and uh, the, the future is that all of us CIOs have to think about how do we digitize our business processes, mm -hmm. how do we digitally optimize the existing processes, and then transform. 
Uh, and when I say transform, it is to leverage these technologies to create capabilities that did not exist earlier. So yes, absolutely, this is coming. Uh, it is happening in pockets. Let me ask one more question on the data. Uh, why are you setting up a separate company? You're setting up DataWorks, the name of, an, of, of the new company. Why is that in a separate company? So I want to basically say two things. You know, first thing, uh, even though there's a separate company, all of us are committed to a data-first mindset. Mm -hmm. When you look at the IT system model, uh, that's how our, uh, our architecture is defined. Data is right in the middle of it. And we want to make sure that we continue to think about it that way, that data is a fuel for our future value. Uh, on DataWorks, one of the key things that we want to do is we wanted to break the paradigm. We wanted to break the paradigm and say, if you create a team that is purely focused on data, you are going to get a lot more progress rather than saying, everybody do it and then eventually good things will happen. So it's about focus. It's about our ability to execute on it because we believe in this. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's talk about your role. I mean, uh, how would you describe what fundamentally today for the international part of FedEx is your role? What is the, the, the added value that you need to bring to the company? So I, many of my peers may view them as a technologist and CIOs are focused only on information technology. I, my boss always reminds us we are business people first and then IT people. Our job is to reinvent the business. Remember I talked to you about, there could be these small startups somewhere in the world, somebody working in the garage who can create tools, capabilities that can uh, impact us. And my job is as a business person first to understand the needs of the marketplace, then harness people process technology to create solutions that helps us deliver those capabilities in the market. So I am completely part of the board uh, here internationally. Uh, uh, as part of our European strategy, there are eight pillars that we are focused on, and one of the pillars is IT. It's about transformative technology. And the point mm -hmm. being that I'm using that is to say, not only am I, as a CIO, part of a business uh, roundtable, IT strategy is part of the business strategy. That is the, you know, coming right from the chairman I talked to you about, a CIO reports to the chairman, just like the CEO. IT strategies are part of business strategy. So disrupting the business self, recreating it, propelling it to the fo forward is the role that I see it. Okay. You manage, or in your team, you have 2,000 internal people, 2,000 external people, so a, a big team of 4,000 people in total. What is your style to manage these people? And, and manage in the sense, well, how do you make them successful? And what are the, and, and can you give an example of, of how you make sure that you have, that you grow and, and, and make your team successful? Um, look, um at FedEx, we have a philosophy called PSP, People Service Profit. You take mm -hmm. care of the people, they will take care of good service to the customers. Good, happy customers bring profit. You reinvest the profit in your people. So it's a circle. 
BSB is not linear, it's a circle. And very early on, the key thing that I learned is that we have to believe in servant leadership. What mm -hmm. that means, if you look at uh, what, the way I've been describing my role, I always use the phrase, I represent the work of my team members. Mm -hmm. The point I'm making there is that my job is to set the vision, provide clarity, provide uh, the capabilities to our team members, funding, time, and then get out of the way. Let them innovate. Let them drive towards the future. So I view my role as setting the vision uh, and then empowering the team to get it done. Uh, the concept I want to use is, I picked it up from the U.S. Marines. It's called commander's intent. When somebody goes on a mission, so teams, uh, SEALs, Team 6, uh, Marines, when they're on a mission, the commander does not paint out every step that a person has to take because the reality on the battlefield changes. You know, there are a lot of uh, statements around every good, uh, well-thought-of plan cannot survive the first bullet when it's, uh, when it's fired. Similarly, my job as part of the commander's intent is to lay out what the vision is, what is the purpose of the project, what is it that we want to accomplish out of it, when, at what cost point, what are the OKRs, the uh, objective key results we want to accomplish, and then let the, let the team members, the, 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 the special forces team who are on the ground, understand what's on the ground, we empower them to make the decision, they know what the commander's intent is, and they are able to win the war for us. That's the way I see my role, to mobilize so many people. There is no way for such a big group that we can be centralized. It has to be empowering. So you say that the, 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 the dominant leadership style within uh, FedEx is the servant leadership? Absolutely. And, and so I can imagine that that's also your uh, leadership style. But let's see how we could describe that in a different way. Your leadership style, what do you think people that work with you, what do you think they talk about, that they say about you when you're not around? How to describe you as a professional, as a person when you're not there? How do they gossip uh, uh, about you? <laughs> uh, so uh, all of us have gone through Myers-Briggs and stuff like that. FedEx has its own um, structure like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I recently took the Myers-Briggs, and I am a ISFJA. Uh, the interesting thing is that even though I'm an engineer at heart, uh, I joke that I have two left brain because I'm very analytical. The scores that came out high for me are on feeling. Thinking mm -hmm. and feeling were roughly 50-50. You know, everything else was 70-30, but thinking and feeling. Uh, my style is to is I try to balance uh, not just the analytical skills, but also the soft skills. And that was the interesting thing for me every time I take this, is how the two, for me, are uh, balanced. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is very important in a company like FedEx. I talked about so much about culture, I talk about people, uh, and at FedEx, that is expected from all of us. But I would say as leaders, that balance is always needed because the left brain thinking, the analytical thinking, brings you the business acumen. The right brain, the, the feeling part of you, brings the leadership. That's about caring. That is yep. one of the key components of our culture. And the two have to be uh, in sync. Otherwise, uh, uh, it won't be successful. 
I'm actually reminded about this topic uh, as to, you know, uh, this was very important for me 10 years ago when I was just growing through the ranks here, 10, 15 years ago. There's a book by Jack Welch, who was the prior CEO of GE. Mm-hmm. And he was asked, and he writes this in his book, From the Gut. That's the name of the book, From the Gut. He writes it in the book uh, that, um, um, how do you make decisions on large projects? And he said, it's not just about the ROI. It's also about the people. Do they have the conviction? And it's that feeling, picking up that feeling, that allows you to say, there's an analytical side, but there's also a people side. Do people really believe in it? That's how I try to bring, um, get my decisions made in my head. So the ISFJ is the defender profile. And the typical strengths of the defender profile is that they're supportive, they're reliable, they're imaginative, observant, they're enthusiastic, and they're loyal and hardworking. How does that resonate with you? You've been talking to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Now, on the flip side, sometimes people with this profile can take things too personally. They can sometimes repress their feelings. They can overload themselves. They can be reluctant to change and sometimes too altruistic. What are some of the, I mean, to be a top uh, digital leader, you have to overcome some of your personal weaknesses and, 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 and develop uh, through them. So what are the things that over your career you had to learn to overcome and, and, and be a top manager? You know, uh, as I said, you know, I'm an introvert at heart. But when you mm-hmm. manage a global enterprise like this, one of the things very early on that I had to learn is how do I project a extrovert acumen? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an excellent book called uh, The Introvert Advantage. Those of you who want to read it, it's uh, one of those things that I read some time ago. But in all of our jobs, we have to be present, especially in times like this, Hendrik, uh, when mm-hmm. crisis hits, when people have ambiguity, they have anxiousness about what's happening. Uh, I have to, and so do my, my team members, have to be in front of our team members and lay out what our strategy is, what is going on in the business, what decisions are we making. Do so in a humble manner, do so again and again and again, so that people can understand what's going on. They can look at you and say, okay, this person is authentic. They, they are giving us all the information that they have, and they are making the best decision they can in an uh, environment that we are in. That requires us to evolve. It requires me to go out and project myself, be in front of team members. And then when I go back home as an introvert, I have to recharge myself by just sitting and being alone. Uh, And that ability to flex is required from all of us. I'm not saying it's just me, from all of us in our job. Some may be extrovert. They need to be able to associate with introverts uh, and not not judge on them. Uh, But for people like me, it has uh, taken lot of learning over the last 15, 20 years in my career to develop those techniques. When we last week prepared this conversation, one of the things that, uh, that really uh, stuck with me was the three F's that are so important uh, for you. So, so can you tell me what are your three F's and, and why are they important? Yes, the three F, uh, and uh, uh, I learned this from one of the very long-serving uh, uh, executive at FedEx. Uh, he used to always say, uh, how does he does work-life balance? 
And mm -hmm. as I was growing in my career, I still remember I was a manager. I had a one-on-one -on -one with him and I said, how do you manage such a large enterprise? Uh, and he shared this with me that has stuck with me too, because it's a very, very simple concept. He talked about number one F is faith. The second mm -hmm. F is family. The third F is FedEx. Family comes over FedEx. Uh, faith comes over family because you need mm -hmm. to be true to yourself. Uh, this is all about at the end of the day when you put your head on the pillow that you go down and say that was a good day because I lived up to my values. I lived up to what I aspired to be. You are, that's about faith. Uh, it's about how do you get grounded? That's very personal to many CIOs. I don't want to get into it uh, with, uh, with a bigger audience, but that's, that's, that's the core of you, what humans are. Then comes family. Uh, in this pandemic, I am fortunate that I have uh, the time to spend more time with my family because we are not going anywhere. Yep. As an introvert, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have twin boys uh, who are extroverts and they don't like it, but I enjoy the fact that we are sitting on our dinner table every day and having dinner, uh, and they're 16 and a half. And for 16 and a half year old kids to be able to sp uh, spend time with their mom and dad, that's a blessing. Uh, and then finally comes FedEx. That's what uh, are my responsibility is. I'm very passionate about the work we do, because in today's world, I know that my team members are making sure those vaccines are being delivered, the PPE equipments are being delivered, the IT systems are uh, delivering notifications around it, are making it happen, making those planes fly, because during this time, that is very, very important. Our, our jobs are very, very impactful during this time. So family is important. So what are the, what are the core values that you want to give to your twin boys? How do you want to see them grow up? What is it that you want? What is the, the legacy value-wise that you want to leave with them? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, let me just say, my legacy are my boys. What I leave to the world is the next generation. And I have always grown up feeling that the next generation has got to be better than I am they are able to contribute in their unique way uh, something more than I can contribute. So mm -hmm. that's my legacy. It's not going to be the project I did. It's not the virtualization of systems. It's not the application that we have launched. Though that's going to be my legacy. That's going to live even beyond when I'm gone. So that's one thing. Uh, we are in a phase where I'm having a dialogue with my boys, my twin boys. Where do they want to go and study for their college? Mm -hmm. And uh, so this concept of value comes about very, very inherent in that dialogue. Uh, and the key thing that I always tell them is, uh, and I'm sure you have heard is that, choose something that you enjoy doing. Even though I have twins, one of them is uh, into electronics. He is very much uh, like what dad does. Other is into sports. And we have to respect that individuality in each of them. And I take that fact that even though they are twins, they have grown up in the same household, they make decisions very differently. I bring it to work too, because every one of my team members is an individual. I cannot treat them the same way. In fact, very early on in their growth, I used to say, same is not equal, because you are different people. 
you may need different things. And I bring that learning that I have by raising my kids to my work too, that everybody is unique and I have to treat them in that unique manner. Uh, so that is the other thing I teach them. So first one is uh, you have to be true to yourself. What is it that you want to do? Do everybody's unique. The third thing, which is my core of my faith, of my being, is that you have to be, uh, you have to have a high degree of integrity in everything you do. That is something that I was, when I was a teenager, I was growing up, that became the foundation of who I wanted to be. And for me, that being very, uh, very transparent, but high degree of integrity is very, very important. And I talk about that with my boys too, because that is what defines us for the long term, not short term, for the long term. Let's talk about something completely different, and that is you have uh, studied, grew up in India, and then you moved to the US, and now you're in Europe, so you're truly a global citizen. But a thing that I wonder, it's a personal uh, interest that our, uh, um, I'm amazed by the fact of why are so many of the top tech leaders today from Indian descent? I mean, we have them at Microsoft and Google and so on and so on. Why are people from India so successful in technology leadership today? Uh, great examples over there. I'm a big uh, fan of uh, Microsoft as well as Google. Our company does a lot of business with uh, Google as well. Uh, and uh, I'm always looking forward, uh, looking uh, up towards these leaders too. I think what is happening in today's world is back to the Industrial Revolution 4.0, Hendrik. We are at the cusp where uh, the world is changing. So Industrial Revolution 1.0 was about electricity, then came railways, then came computers. Mm -hmm. Now it's digital. Uh, mm -hmm. It's about data, really. Uh, and as part of this change of the world, more and more of the GDP of the world is coming from technology companies. It's coming from companies that are uh, technology enabled, adopters of technology. There are hardly any companies that are not adopters of technology nowadays. So mm -hmm. the world is doing more and more transactions through technology. Uh, so that is one phenomenon taking place. For this to be realized, you need people who are technically very solid, as well as who are business minded. Third thing you need is this global mindset, because the world is becoming smaller and smaller. Everything is interconnected. Everything has to be interconnected now. So the ability for people to bring business acumen, technology acumen, and global acumen is now in great demand. Very much like many Indians in top ranks, I have also seen a lot of uh, 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 people of Asian descent, of heritage in, that, in those ranks as well. I've seen a lot mm -hmm. of startups coming from people who are immigrants, uh, either to US yeah. or in Europe. And as always, I have seen people who are uh, from America or from Europe who are as successful in these jobs. So it's not just about the eth ethnicity or heritage. I think it's about who individually can bring in a global mindset, a business mindset, and technology mindset together, who I believe are going to be successful in the new era of Industrial Revolution 4.0, in the digital transformation era that we are going on, uh, for long period of time. 
Nick, you speak eight languages, I understand. <laughs> How the hell can somebody learn eight languages? And, and what are the languages that we could do this interview in? Then? <laughs> no, I, I speak uh, in my household, we speak eight languages, Hendrik. Uh, uh, I speak only four. <laughs> okay, in your household. So, okay. uh, as you know, uh, I, I did uh, live in Brussels. And I lived in a French-speaking commune in Brussels, just outside uh -huh. of, uh, of Brussels, actually. So I do, uh, uh, I did have to learn uh, French quite, uh, quite a much, uh, quite a bit, uh, and I really enjoyed that interaction over there. Uh, my wife grew up in uh, in Argentina, so to speak to my in-laws, I had to learn um, uh, Spanish. <laughs> so uh, those are two of the foreign languages that uh, I have learned. Uh, and I would not claim myself to be uh, anything more than a novice in those two areas. Okay. Nick, in the, you have a, a long career, 26 years. What are some of the, um, the what is the personal mantra that, that helps you when, in difficult periods when you have to make tough decisions? What are the, 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 the mantras that help you uh, to come to the right conclusions? You know, I, I told you that the key thing for me is that when I put my head on the pillow in the night, I need to feel that I've been true to myself, right? Mm -hmm. that, is, that is who Nick is. Uh, and uh, for me, uh, I also told you for me, personal integrity, you know, the, uh, is very, very important. So uh, for me, none of this is about, you know, politics. Uh, it's about putting the facts on the paper and then putting on top of it feelings. <laughs> Uh, and saying, am I doing it right by the people? I have to sometimes make tough decisions, and we all do. That's our job. But it's not the tough decision. It's how you execute on them that differentiates good leaders from great leaders, good companies mm -hmm. from great companies. And I think that's where FedEx brand gets voted as the most admired company almost every year. Uh, and that's what I think... I enjoy working for a company like this because my value system are aligned with the value system of this company. Nick, let's look at the dark side of life here a little bit. And so tell us what were some of the, if you want, what are some of the worst things that ever happened to you in your life? And what, and what did you learn from them? Because we grow by, by the bad things, by the, the traumas that we have to go through and by, uh, so, so what, 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 was, what were your things that you had to overcome and, and how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, all of us have gone through disappointments in our career and you are mm -hmm. absolutely right. It's the, you know, as an introvert, you have to reflect on what worked and what didn't work. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things I miss and working from home is that half an hour drive back home where you can reflect and uh, look inside of how the day went, you know, go over some of the decisions that that is one of the things I miss. So, yeah. you know, a couple of things that have come to mind is that very early on in my career, and I was just a professional at that time, I was given this responsibility of saying, take this small team of seven people and build the next generation product that the company was offering in the market. And I worked very hard on it. The team was driven. We created a product. And in six months, we had the next generation product. It was better. It was faster. It was much superior than the previous version. Mm -hmm. But we did not launch it. We killed it because we did not want to have a competitive product within our own portfolio so close to each other. And 
at that point, I realized that in business, you have to keep in mind, it's all about what the customer is going to perceive. It's what the customer wants. It's not that mm -hmm. I can build something faster, cheaper, quicker, and you roll it out every 20 days. Nobody's going to adopt or try you uh, at that pace unless you're in the app business, uh, but I'm talking about physical products here. And yep. the, the ability for us to make sure that we have our finger on the pulse of the customer and we are providing capabilities that are exceeding the expectation at a timeline that they are willing to adopt is very mm -hmm. important. So the key takeaway from me was I have to become more of a business person and not just a technologist. That was what led me to my a pivotal point in my journey, that the best, fastest, uh, the more hyper-converged uh, uh, application, uh, hardware, that's not the answer. The answer is, how are you bringing value to your customer? It's all about looking from outside in. And that was a yeah. big, pivotal moment. It was 26 years ago uh, when I was just starting in my career, and it was one of those things that I still keep in mind, that... Nick, don't think inside out, always think outside in. Did you have in your career any specific mentors that really uh, played an important role in, in, in your developer development as a leader? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, quite a few, actually. Uh, I, uh, all the managers I have worked for, Henry, I, I tend to keep mm -hmm. in touch with them even when I move to a different department or a different part of the world. Uh, because, you know, first of all, the FedEx culture is all about collaboration. It's about uh, creating that, uh, uh, that, that family feeling. Uh, so mm -hmm. th that makes it very easy. Uh, you know, uh, recently we announced the retirement of the CEO of FedEx Ground and Ground uh, at, in the U.S. Uh, his name is Henry Mayer. I worked for him for about five and a half years. And a lot of things, and I was a manager at that time, a lot of things that I learned how to manage, how to, how to be able to uh, uh, take care of large organization, I learned from him very early on in my career. Uh, then came uh, one of the great uh, leaders I worked for, her name was uh, Gloria Boylan. Uh, uh, she was a lawyer, but also a left-brained person, and she brought in so much to me uh, that was all about discipline, and it was all about influencing others. Uh, she used to have a phrase, uh, 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 influence without authority. How do you influence people without being assertive? You know, in my uh, Myers-Briggs, I talked about uh, I can be assertive because uh, the defender profile can be, but how do you influence? And that is mm -hmm. the balance about assertiveness, whereas uh, uh, influences making people feel it is their idea. Uh, that we are coming to a win-win solution. And she was very, very in influential in me thinking in those lines that there is more to it than your positional authority. And these two individuals have been very, very structured into uh, in my success. I, I always say that I can see far, I can see through the fog because I'm standing on their shoulders. So people are watching this interview, some of them will have the ambition to be one day in, in your shoes and to be a, a top digital leader in, in, a, in a super large international enterprise. So what would be the advice that you would give them? What is your secret to success? How can they make sure that they progress in, in their career and that they uh, are, are um, a, a, a young senior VP in an international company like yours? You know, uh, 
I have given a lot of talks on it. A lot of people ask me this question. And I always uh, play a simple game with them. I said, if you are uh, wanting to get promoted to the next level, you want to become a senior officer, what is one word that defines you? What is that one word that defines your brand? If you were to put a brand on you, what is it? And people say, I'm a hard worker. I said, out of 100 people, who is going to sit in a panel and say, I'm not a hard worker? Nobody. Everybody's going to say they are working hard. People say they get things done. Everybody whom they are competing with is going to say, get, get the work done. Lot many people come and say that I'm willing to take risk. I'm willing to solve ambiguity. I'm willing to create something where none existed. There's no path out there. One, my career path has always been when I got the manager job, that was the first time that function was being created. When I got the director job, that was the first time that function was being created. When I got the VP job, that was the first time that group was being created and that function was being created. The point here being, don't be afraid of risk. In fact, it's this ambiguity when there is no path ahead of you, when nobody has taken a, a journey down the woods, uh, that's, that's the opportunity you want to go after. Because it was all about somebody has done something, somebody has already achieved something. What's the fun in that? So I always tell people, be willing to take that risk, be willing to create a brand that is really differentiated, that is really unique, that is really you, so that you stand out from a crowd. You stand out from many other people who are strong performers, but it gives you that one step ahead amongst others. So Nick, we're coming to the end of this interview. What are the three takeaways that you wanna make sure that people that watch this go home with? Uh, sure, Henrik. Uh, so when you think about the journey that we have taken, the strategy that we have, which operates at a global scale of 200 plus countries with 500,000 people behind it, uh, lots of planes and trucks that have to fly to make it happen. Uh, it really comes down to key things from an ITCIO point of view. First thing, your digital transformation has to begin with infrastructure in mind. You have to make sure that your network is modern, uh, software-defined networking. You have to make sure that InfoSec tooling is current. Uh, you have to make sure your compute is either in, uh, and storage is either in cloud or on your colo or data center, but it's intelligently managed. You need to make sure that the data is actively managed. You have a master data management strategy and your applications are API first and they are leaning into consuming uh, microservices and data. So your infrastructure, your stack has to be modern, but that's just the start of the journey. You have to then focus on the second thing, which is about delivering business value. That's where your partnership with your business partners, how you're organized, how you influence your business partners, how do you are able to read the market and able to leapfrog where the market will be, that becomes the role of the CIO. You are not just going where the market is today, you want to be where the market will be. Ability to do that is the second piece of the job of the CIO, my peer group. Uh, the third thing you have to think about is, and the most important thing, is this is still a people business. It's about your culture. Digital transformation will not happen if you leave your people behind. 
This is not about technology. Digital transformation and sustained digital transformation happens when you bring people, your team members on the journey. You care about them because they are going through anxiety and you give them tooling, time, money, capabilities to learn. Caring and learning come hand in hand so that your people believe in your strategy, adopt the new technology, enable the new business value, and it's a sustained cycle. That is how you are able to const constantly transform yourself because today it's about digital. Next five years from now, it could be the next trend and you need to be ready for that because it will happen. And on that note, Nick, I would like to thank you for your time and for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge uh, in, this, uh, in this interview. So I hope we'll have the opportunity soon also to meet in real life. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, thanks again and see you soon. Thank you, Henrik, and I appreciate the time and the opportunity.